Welcome back. Wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, thank you for joining us because when you get up and running, we're right there with you. This is the Up and Running Pod. I'm Mike, always here with your lovable, laughable host, Turkey. How are we tonight? Man, it's, it's uh, crazy out there tonight. And it's raining, it's nasty, but had some breakfast casserole for dinner, man, ready to go. There you go. He's ready for you, folks. Uh, so again, at Up and Running Pod on X. Thank you for following us. Thank you for joining us week to week. We've gotten some great reviews coming in. We've gotten some great feedback and some great information coming in, especially on the polls and the videos we put out. So we appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we have an interesting show tonight. So what we're going to do is we're kind of going to bounce around with a lot of things going on in sports. We're going to hit a couple of different topics. So maybe some sports you haven't heard of, but I'm also going to give a couple of breakdowns. Turkey's got some turkey stats, and you know I always have a do better stat. So Justin, let's start off with one of the biggest topics right now in sports, and, and we're going to go to safety on this, and this is court storming. There's been a lot of talk about this. We talked about it on a previous show with Caitlin Clark and how court storming was a little dangerous. She she could have had a, a massive injury, a serious injury there, and it was scary for a moment, uh, no doubt for Iowa fans and Caitlin Clark herself, but we had one recently as well with Duke. Walk us through what you've seen and, and, and how this is going to impact the sport going forward. Well, I want to make this <clears throat> very clear. Um, I have heard a lot of this. I actually heard it this morning on ESPN on Get Up that it was somehow the Duke player's fault. I do not care what he did, how he was walking. The safety of the away team is the home team's job. The school has to keep the players safe. I do not care if you beat them for the first time ever. It doesn't matter. The player's safety shouldn't be put in jeopardy. And when you have an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, gonna they're going to do something stupid and end up doing some harm. So he sprained his knee. Um, I believe that's what the, the diagnosis is right now. But in no way, shape, or form is it his fault. I don't care if he stuck his leg out. The bottom line is this. He was put in a situation where it doesn't matter what he did, they were going to try to get to the court and see their team, and that's fine. Hinder him getting off one way or the other, another, something was going to happen. Now. Well, well, I will say this. Hold on. Before you jump into that, I will say this. I do want to make sure our listeners, because we're going to break this down, because this has an impact to really affect college sports and the college landscape going forward. This is very different than Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark didn't initiate any contact. If you go back and look at the replay, the Duke player did reach out. He did reach out and initiate contact. He was the first to initiate contact. So when you say uh, there's never a chance where it's his fault or he did nothing wrong or it's I agree with you that it's the home team's responsibility to protect the away team at all costs. The reports came out that Wake Forest didn't have enough security there, and that is a shame on Wake Forest. That is your fault. However, they just think they suck. I mean, that's, that's well, why they didn't think they'd do it. Sure, and I get that. And, and again, and they need to have that responsibility. But now, so we're past that because they blew that already, right? So now the kids come on the court. The Wake Forest student did not try to initiate contact, didn't try to hit him. He was in contact was initiated by the Duke player. So I got to say there too, uh, get off the court, but make that your main focus, not trying to push people through, get off the court and do what you can. Now in the, Hey, in, in, in the speed of that moment, I, I, we can always sit here in Monday morning quarterback and second guess, but I do got to jump in and say that this was a little different than Caitlin Clark. This, this young man did initiate contact. No, I'm not saying it's, it's not different. I agree with you. And I mean, I've said that the bottom line is this, he shouldn't be put in that situation. Okay, and at the end of the day, I don't care if he did it or not. The storm that was coming from Wake Forest fans 
he's not making it through that without getting some bumps and bruises. Sure. I mean, it was thousands of students pouring on the court. Listen, the SEC knew this was going to be a problem. The SEC put out some money. Hey, I think it's 100000 250 and 500 for your first three offenses. It does nothing. It's, a, it's laughable that they think that little bit of money in the SEC sure. matters. The, the alumni will donate the 500000 when Tennessee beat Alabama last year or two years ago. They will literally donate the money for the court storm. They'll put the field goal post back up the next day. You have to do something yeah. drastic. And that one, a, lot of, a lot of stuff you hear going around is they need more security. Well, obviously. But that can't always be the case. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily going to work because if it's a close game, you don't know what's going to happen. How do you get in place? People want to be right on the court. On the court. So I understand that. One of, I think it was Jay Billis. He said, just ban the student section for a game. Or arrest them. But see, that, that's don't, not an come answer, down, Don't let them go. Well, I agree. That's not like, an answer, the, the extreme isn't the answer. No. There really is no answer unless here, – here's, here's where uh, Barry Hare, RMC Security, comes in. You, you have to ha- control the student section, right? Sure, correct. So the best way that they used to do it when he was here, and it was at Richmond and BCU games, that heated robbery here in town, is they would use a rope. And they can say the rope doesn't work, but if you've got 40 to 50 people there with the rope holding them back, letting them know, having a conversation with five, 10 minutes left in the game, it wasn't like Wake Forest was down 20 and came back and beat them on a buzzer beater, right? It was a close game throughout, so it's a possibility. Have the conversation before. Let your student section know. Whatever you have to do, but there's got to be a better way to do this than we go far extreme and take the students out. Or we just let it happen until somebody seriously gets hurt. Well, and that's the fear. That's the fear because somebody is seriously going to get hurt. I mean, you're talking about these are two close calls on, you know, right now the current greatest women's player in basketball and a what's been touted has been a top pick in the, in the next lottery, NBA lottery draft, uh, top college player right now. Uh, so you're talking about the, the highest level of our athletes in college sports that are uh, potentially to get harmed. But here's my thing. So – you talked about a couple of different scenarios, right? And, and the extreme is never the answer, right? Let's be honest. The extreme in all of this is never going to be the answer. This this can be a part of the hashtag do better section here is, is as you're a fan, you've got to do better. As you're an organization, Wake Forest, you've got to do better. You've got to have that. But we're focusing, I think, on the wrong points. We're trying to control, like you said, a student section. We're trying to prevent this from happening. The security is not in place, in my opinion, or should not be in place for the home team charging the storm, storming the court. The security needs to be hired to protect the away team because the home team's gonna gonna be out there and jumping in the center of the court and they're gonna have a good time, et cetera, et cetera. But instead of hiring 20 guys with ropes trying to keep up the whole student section, or like you said, banning the student section, there needs to be for the five players on the court, a security guard assigned to each one of them that when they know when that ball, when the time when the buzzer goes out, that last ball drops, you sprint out and you have your person. And that's who you're protecting. Now, everyone can storm, and your your responsibility is to get those five players off the court. Because those that are on the bench aren't in really any danger. Let's be honest. And they're they just not. aren't any good either. It's just the five that are on the court. So you have five guards right there. Their only job is you've got, you've got the point guard, you've got the two, you've got three, you've got four. You've got, there it is. Run them down. Go get them. Beat the students out there. 
you're telling me five security guards can't beat those students to, to protect those those young men and women? Come on, that's what I think the answer should be because that's where our secure that's where our concern is. Yeah, I mean, and that that's a valid point. And I mean, here's the thing: you can do it. The hard part is, is you watch this on the NFL games, you watch it in the college games. Nick Saban gets done with the game when he was coaching and comes across that field. Somebody is with him, if not two state troopers from Alabama. Exactly. But there's so much more room. Sure. The question is, is what tunnel do you keep, man? See, the issue, and I agree with you, you have to have security guards just for those five. They're the ones that are in danger because when the game ends like it did with Duke and Wake Forest and it's an instant win, okay, and they were up four points with a second left, he could have pulled his boys off the court and put somebody else on. But when you have those guys out there, you have to get them out there immediately to protect them from it because the students aren't going to wait 10 seconds. Sure. So you've got no time to do it. And you don't really, have a I mean, chance that, at really holding the student section back. I mean, let's be honest. That has not worked. That that has been in place for a while. I've stormed a court. You stormed a court. We've gotten around security guards. Like, that's not the issue. And then banning the student section is never going to be the, issue, the, the response either or the uh, – the result we're looking for or the remedy we're looking for. I think, for example, I think for sure you focus those five on protecting those players on the court and then the coaches got the rest on their bench and you you find a way to get to and you have one or two security guards with the bench and look, that's seven. You got plenty more security at every game. So uh, I think that's doable because what we're headed to, Justin, as you and I talked pre-show, we don't want court storming to go away. It's part of the experience. It's part of the college experience. Because one of the big pushes right now among college coaches is to get rid of it. Why is that bad? Uh, so, first of all, you can't. You, you're not going to stop it. Um, it, it. Idiots are still going to do it, right? Even if you did stop it, and I call them idiots at that point because okay, that's a that's a huge problem. Okay, you can't. If it's a rule, you can't you can't break the rule for this for this because it can hurt your school a lot, right? I, I would say it's it's a it takes away from the college atmosphere, like. I mean, I, you obviously don't want to see your school lose, but watching the excitement in the fans, where I have a problem with it is, is when you have these Instagram or clout chasers out there with their phones filming. The girl with Caitlin Clark was looking at her phone running and just bam. Correct. You know, sure. Caitlin Clark picks up her head. She was looking left, picks up her head, boom, they run into each other. So if we can avoid that kind of stuff, like, I mean, because that's a, that's a lot of it. They're posting videos and I get all that. Listen, that's the age we live in now. It's not just court storming to party with the team and, and be excited. Where do you put the responsibility of the security guards? What do you mean? Do you put it on the away team or do you put it on the home team? Oh, the home team. The home team provides security for the stadium because it, it, it's it's not security for the team. It's security for the stadium. That That's what we've all got to remember here. That security is, is there in place for the stadium. Um, and so that security is for the home team. And so but would you would you suggest giving some like for me, if I'm Duke, OK, I've got enough money. I've got plenty of money. We don't spend it on football. We spend it on basketball to get me five officers to travel with the basketball team. You pay them whatever you need to pay them. And they've got the, they've got the kids on the court just in yeah, case. But now you're talking about at that point, how many upsets are really getting into how many times are you getting beat where the court's going to get stormed on you? I think that's, I think that's going to be a waste of funds. I think that that's something to wear that uh, if you're doing it because you've had other threats or you feel unsafe at certain areas or, an away game is something to where you've been the target of maybe uh, a little more than harassment, a little more than just jeering from fans, uh, then, yeah, I get you there. But just to take them to, to possible court storming, I, I think you got to have it to where when you show up, 
when when Duke shows up, when Carolina shows up, when UConn shows up to an away game, they've got to say, okay, listen, are you prepared for this? You know, but I mean, don't you think that's a don't you think that's the same argument that the home team's going to have? Like, what are the chances? Of, what are the chances of Wake Forest beating Duke five out of ten times? Absolutely one. One chance they got to beat that team, they did it. So the, the argument is, it's happened twice this year. And again, nothing happens. There are no rules made unless it affects somebody of clout. Sure. Uh, like, like Caitlin sure. Clark. Sure. And, you, and this goes back. Here's the biggest thing about all and that's of That's with a lot of aspects okay? in life, too. Let's be Here, honest. Everything. I mean, you, laws don't get made until somebody breaks them, right? Or, or does something that warrants a law. But here's the thing. We go back to Caitlin Clark as the face of the NCAA, okay? Sure. As a female, first time ever, okay? Um, Virginia Tech Hokies are getting game day. Women's basketball team is getting college game day to their campus, much sure. less Blacksburg, right? Here's the, here's the biggest thing I want everybody to understand right now. Caitlin Clark might be the face of the NCAA, but Filipowski's the one that's getting people to move. Sure. Okay? Sure. Now, whether or not he got injured, the what he looks like the villain. At the end of the day, it's hard to tell which one's right, okay? At the end of the day, it's hard to tell which one's right or which one's wrong. There's not really anybody right in this situation. But he's getting the needle moving, as everybody likes to say these days. So he's moving that needle. What are we doing? If your argument is, well, how many times are they going to lose? I get that. So then why is it on the the home team to have all that extra security every game? I don't know. I, I, I also I want to I want to step into something that you, you just talked about. I don't know how much he's moving the needle more than Caitlin Clark. I understand you got to talk about the greatest ones of all greatest women's player of all time versus another Duke superstar that we have or potential superstar. But I, I mean, let, let's not knight this guy. We have a problem in sports that we're going to talk about later on. And we're definitely going to dedicate a show uh, in the springtime towards this is where we we knight people too soon. We, we saw it with Nick Dunlap in golf who hasn't hasn't showed up since he won the AT&T Pebble Beach. Uh, we do it with Charlie Woods, who tried to qualify for an event. We do it with this Duke player. We do it with so many young players. Le- LeBron James's son has been in the news lately. When someone shows some type of flash of brilliance, we automatically want to knight them as the next fill-in-the-blank, as the next this. So to say that he's moving the needle more than Caitlin Clark, I don't know if I would agree there. But to your point, I think, is – men's basketball has a bigger following than women's basketball and may pull in more eyeballs. And I agree with, with you there. Uh, but I think the overall point has got to be, we've got to protect college athletes. We've got to keep them safe while also making it still for the fans and the fan experience, because uh, without that, without fans, none of these sports exist the way they do on the grand scale that they do. Oh, well, so, and, and just be clear, I'm not saying he's moving the needle. I don't, I didn't know who this kid was until he got injured. Actually I saw him and I was like, uh, does he, does he play for Duke? Is he a bench warmer? Like, did the kid just get hurt? Whatever. I'm saying as far as this particular incident goes, nobody was talking about banning the court storm when Caitlin Clark trucks this woman, right? And I think I think it has a lot to do with, yes, he did get injured in some way. He, he hurt himself, right? But at the end of the day, she was just trying to get off the court like you're supposed to. Sure. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, smacked right down in the middle of the court. And, and it, it dazed her, but it, it didn't knock her out. And I just think that goes to show, like, like that right there to me, she would have her own. If I'm Iowa or her, because she has the money, I'm having somebody at the game come get me when the clock strikes zero. That's well, and that's it. yeah, and because and they, honestly, they've been I mean, upset now. They've been yeah. upset two more times. Sure, 
And and to that point, I mean, I know this is a grander scale when we're talking about this, but Lionel Messi actually has a a former special forces uh, security person with him at all times. Follows him up and down the field. He runs up and down. He walks up and down the sidelines following Messi because if there's ever a court storming or someone charged the field, a streaker, whoever it may be, right? He's there. His sole job is to protect Messi. And so now Messi's got billions more dollars than Caitlin Clark probably, and we understand that. Literally. But to your point, I think I mean I think that's a that's a great example. Uh, but I do think that um, protecting the college athlete is important. The, the fear that I have is that we're getting to where they're going to just ban this entirely. And we're going to get to the point where, you know, it's going to really hurt the game, the fan experience, the viewing experience, because that's what we're getting into. And that's my fear. Yeah. And, and honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Robert, if you're listening, the, what are your insights at Richmond? I mean, I've gone to games with you. You've been at Richmond games for years and smaller school. But what are your thoughts if, if Richmond was, you know, had Duke in or Virginia and smokes them? You know, Richmond's had their fair share of upsets. What goes on? What are the policies? What do you sure. think works? Um, you know, I, let us know. Um, Absolutely. Spend some time on this topic. I mean, it's a, it's a big thing right now if you if you follow yeah. NCAA. I mean, this is huge. It's, it's a coach-driven thing. Everybody, I mean, they're still talking about it today, and it happened this weekend. So, Well, and it can also and it can also parlay into football. It can parlay into other sports. And so this is a huge topic. And, and to your point about, you know, the Duke, the kind of wrapping a bow on this or putting a bow on this is that, the, the young man from Duke was the second time it happened this season. So it's just like, you know, if you're driving on the highway and, and a speeder flies by a cop, the second person that flies by him right behind him is going to be the one that gets pulled over. So it's always that second guy that gets caught in a sense. So I think the second instance has also blown it up. Um, and I just hope that it doesn't blow it up to the point where we lose this in college sports. So, again, Justin mentioned it. Drop us a line on X. Uh, give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Let us know what you think about this. Uh, if you listen on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube, uh, please let us know what you think uh, regarding this court storming. Is it good? Should it be banned? Uh, or uh, or is, is there a big overreaction from the NCAA? We'd love to hear that. So, uh, Justin, switching from court storming to uh, potentially what could be more storming of courts, uh, it's upset season. We're getting ready to get in a conference tournament, which gets us into NCAA March Madness. Uh, the, the hype is building. We're seeing some teams really rise to the top here. What are you looking forward to most when it comes to the conference tournaments? Alabama winning the SEC conference tournament. <laughs> there um, it is. Roll Tide. Uh, 18 <clears throat> minutes. Great. Roll Tide. Seriously. I am, uh, you know, I, I love college basketball in March. I, I used to love watching college basketball during the regular season, but it's just not the same. You know, every team is not legit, but every team has a chance to win every night. Like, and, and I know we say that about all the sports, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it is just so much closer now with NIL. It's so much closer with just the finances that can be done, the transfer portal. Everything makes you – know, you still have your top-tier teams. Let's say it's 10 teams that have everything going on, right? Then you have 10 below them, but they're not that far off. You don't have the superstars you used to have just dominating. Um, sure. You know, so I'm excited yeah. for it. I'm, I'm excited for a lot of these smaller conferences – I've uh, been looking and following a little bit of those and, and just how exciting it gets. I mean, this weekend you've got, or not this weekend, but Monday, Tuesday, you've got the start of some tournaments. I think the A-Sun starts on yeah. the fourth. Yep. And then you go all the way into next week and you have uh, the ACC starts, SEC starts, Big 12, Big 10. All those guys will be rolling. And then the weekend after that, St. Patty's Day, you got them finishing up and then boom, you're into March Madness and here we go. Um, it's the next 
month and a half is absolutely amazing basketball going to be played. Um, excited yeah. for the, you know, it's probably the first time that I'm really excited for the women's side uh, to just see what Caitlin Clark can do, because if she doesn't yeah. show up, they lose. If she shows up, they play, they, they generally win, but it's not a, she has a, I think they'll go ahead and win the big 10. I don't doubt they'll win the big 10, but the, the tournament, you can get deep in there. You still got to run through South Carolina sure. and uh, Virginia Tech's I think, not bad I think this she year needs- either. I think she, her and Iowa both need a little bit of a deep run in the NCAA tournament, not necessarily the Big Ten tournament, but make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, silence a little bit of the remaining haters that she may or may not have. Um, but I think that that eliminates all questions. You get out in the first, second round, you, you're going to hear some chirps. And, and you know, may, is that is that justified? You know, sometimes it is. Uh, so I think that they've got to do that. But I am excited. Uh, you know, I, I was a big college basketball fan when we were in, when we were in high school. I even ran uh, uh, a – We'll say a challenge, not necessarily a pool, but a challenge, I said. Uh, and we had a good time with all that. So I'm excited for that. I, I looked up on the uh, – before we got on the show, we talked about in the pre-show, the rankings and what we had. And so uh, there's a lot of names coming up in uh, college basketball. There's a lot of teams that are rising to the top that may or may not have been there previously. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see what we have going on in regards to a – a maybe a mid-major or maybe a Cinderella story again, and that's going to be incredible to see. Yeah, I mean, I, the, there's going to be a deep run by a couple of double-digit seeds. I'm going to say two double-digit seeds in the Final Four. Oh, wow. I, oh, there's a bold prediction for you. There's some turkey stats and a bold prediction. Two double-digit seeds. You heard it here from Turkey that are going to make the Final Four. So before we slide on from uh, NCAA basketball, we talked about upsets, and I, I have to give out a shout-out to one of our most loyal listeners, uh, my nephew, uh, who I am the assistant coach on his youth basketball team. And we had our playoff, we had our first playoff win uh, Monday night. So go Mustangs. Issa, I know you're listening. I know you always listen, and I'm so appreciative of that, Bubba. I'm so proud to be your coach and even prouder to be your uncle. So uh, I love you, Bub. I'll see you for round two. Uh, tomorrow night. So I had to get that in. Yeah, man. If you're uh, if you're checking the show out, make sure we cheer on Issa and Mike as they go in for round two of the playoffs. There, that's awesome, man. Congrats. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been a joy to coach. It's been a joy to see. So uh, teams excited. So we're moving forward on that. So go Mustangs. Um, so Justin, we talked about uh, getting into college basketball, but now we're going to jump in. We're going to jump into another sport. We're going to jump into a wild finish this past weekend under the lights in NASCAR. Take us through what happened and why this was also uh, a small part of history. Yeah, so this weekend was excellent. Um, you know, some good racing, had some had some crazy activity on the track all throughout the race. Uh, Kyle Busch, you know, my boy, he was, a, he was a lap down at one point, gets his lap back, works his way to the front, five or six caution flags uh, in that time period. Just silly stuff going on. Then they get to the uh, end of the race there. They're, I mean, they were running four wide at one point, and they were at Atlanta. So it, it, that's not a place that you run four wide. That you, you really don't have the grip to do that. And they did it. I mean, it's just these new cars, I guess, are doing really well, handling well. So he get there in the pack. They've got two wide. He breaks out to go three wide. He brings somebody with him. Uh, Daniel Suarez is on the outside of him. So to set the scene, Daniel Suarez is up top, close to the wall. Then it's Kyle Busch. Then it's Blaney. So Blaney's down here. He's leading the race. Suarez is up top. He's in second. Suarez starts to go back. Bush starts to make his run. And Bubba Wallace 
couldn't keep up with him to keep him moving. And so he's making a run on his own. If he had a Bubba Wallace, he probably wins the race. But they get to the checkered flag, and you can see it. Three wide, coming in tight. It looks like it's going to be one of the greatest finishes ever, and it is. 0.003 seconds. Kyle Busch finishes third. Blaney finishes second. And Daniel Suarez comes away with the win. Photo finish. Uh, I mean, it just – the the camera they have to have to take this shot is unbelievable. Oh, um, sure. You know, when you watch it live, when I watched it live, I thought Blaney had won the race. Uh, but Suarez had beat him and it, and by the inches. And quick side note, funny uh, humor there. So Samantha Bush, Kyle's wife, he said after the race, I just needed a couple more inches. And she goes, I've been telling you that for 20 years. Um, so <laughs> it was it was awesome. I mean, it, it was great to see Kyle um, have some trouble early on and come back. I, mean, I don't want to see him have trouble, but to, to have the trouble and to come back, they got the car right for the night. Daniel Suarez, heck of a heck of a win. He's a wheel man, man. Way to drive. It just, you know, and Blaney, he's just he's just picking up right where he left off last season. They go to Vegas this weekend. That's the Bush hometown. So hopefully he can come away with a win there. Go ahead and put his name in the in the chase uh this season, get that over with. Um but NASCAR's looking good. I I, I yeah. really would encourage our viewers. Uh, listeners to to really check it out. The racing has been actually pretty daggone good. Oh yeah, you're talking. Uh, it was, this was, it was a... really good at Atlanta, but but at Daytona yeah. it was kind of started out slow. But Atlanta was they were running hard, they were bumping, they were moving. It was really good. I mean that this was a this was like a scene out of a movie. I mean you had three cars uh, lined up perfectly coming down, couldn't separate them, couldn't see from the naked eye. You had to go to the technology to see who won. Uh, incredible finish. And then we also had that exciting finish. Uh, at day, the Daytona 500, you talk about a yep. big, big finish there with, you know, you know, maybe people aren't a fan of the wrecks. I understand that, but that's a that's an exciting finish as well. So NASCAR has been putting it up lately as far as great finishes. And there's been also there's been a more influx of NASCAR fans lately. Uh, they, they've reported so uh, good for NASCAR. Good for them getting exciting finishing. And uh, congratulations to Suarez. Uh, Justin said a true wheel man uh, to get that done. So they're going to Vegas now, Justin. And this is going to be uh, what race three of the year. Race three, yep, yep. Big race. They start the West Coast swing now. Um, you know, I think they have California the week after. But, I mean, Vegas is a great track. And and the thing is, is it's – I've really enjoyed NASCAR the last few years. You've got some young guns like Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, who are really dueling. Kyle Larson, you know, he had his controversy. Uh, Hendrick, good Christian man, gives him another chance to come back. He's doing his thing. Um, but you're getting you're, – the thing about NASCAR, Mike, you talk about the fans. Michael Jordan owns a team. Um, Mr. Worldwide owns a team. You know, it, it's not just old white guys owning teams anymore. And I know that sounds like everybody's like, well, blah, you know, but but it's not. It's it's young folks coming into the, the fold as fans, and they're bringing in people that they pay attention to. Um, I mean, I can tell you now, like, if, if I didn't dislike Denny Hamlin, I would probably root for him because Michael Jordan owns a team with him, right? Okay. Okay. But but I can't stand him, so I'm not going to listen to him. Uh, Tyler Reddick runs for Jordan, and I, I like Tyler Reddick, so I'll, I'll, I'll root for him. But but I think that brings a whole different avenue of fans. I mean, you're mixing the greatest NBA player of all time with NASCAR, and a lot of people don't know that he, he's already invested in racing teams before, whether it's bikes or cars. So, I mean, that's a big step for NASCAR. And he's been in there a few years now. It's not This isn't brand new news, but him being in there, you know, getting the – getting a different type of ownership group in there, guys that really push the limit on what, you know, people might look at NASCAR, but that's old redneck sport. Well, it is. I mean, it is what it is. They were, you know, 
delivering moonshine, and that's how it got started. So, yep. but at the end of the day, NASCAR is Ricky Bobby for teaching think, us that. <laughs> I think they uh, have learned a lot about what to do and what not to do, and I think they're starting to do some better things. Hopefully, they'll start. You know, Dale Jr. is doing a big job of bringing back some of the old tracks for some virtual racing. Hopefully, they start bringing them back, putting them on the schedule. Um, North Wilkesboro is one of them. That'd be great. Um, Rockingham's another one. You know, these are things that old NASCAR fans are going to remember. But the young, these are good race tracks, fun racing. So I'm glad it's doing well. I mean, you know, Atlanta was yeah. a good race, and hopefully, Vegas is the same this weekend. And so, if you're a NASCAR fan out there, stay tuned with us all year, all season. Dustin's going to be having a lot of coverage on the NASCAR coming up. He's a huge fan, big follower of the sport. So if you're looking for any kind of NASCAR nuggets, Justin's going to have them for you. So you can put them in your group chats, get that group chat wisdom that we talk about. So stay tuned for anything coming up with NASCAR. Uh, Justin, we, we touch on it just about every week. So we're going to dive into a little bit of golf. Golf kind of had what's called a, a maybe an off week. We've had some major tournaments uh, previously this year. We've had some, we have some big ones coming up, uh, starting with you know, the old Honda Classic, which is the Cognizant, coming now called the Cognizant coming up. You got Bay Hill after that and the players. But this past week, they were at they were in Mexico at the Mexico Open. And one of the young stars, young up-and-comers that they have they have dubbed, uh, Jake Knapp wins a 19-under. And really with a leaderboard that you didn't really recognize anybody. Yeah. I, and, and listen, I've heard about this. <laughs> I've heard about this and heard about this. I, on X, it is an argument every day. The live golf guys are like, look at that leaderboard. It's crap. I'm like, well... You know what? None of the live golf guys would play in this tournament either. Nobody sure. plays exactly. in some of these tournaments. When you're running 50 tournaments a year, you're not going to have the top 20 stars in every exactly. tournament. You got to take line. weeks off. You got to take weeks I, off. My thing is this, I, and I, it's not even about taking weeks off. It's you're going to you're going to play where the most money is, and you have a stretch coming up in March where you've got five, six, seven tournaments that are big money tournaments that you can't playing in Mexico doesn't help you. Sure. You know, let those sure. other guys go out there and get a win. Again, this is this is not a product of live. Okay, this has nothing to do with live golf. This has been this way for years. That tournament is for somebody that is outside the top fifty to go and win. And I know there wasn't that many top fifty players, uh, top one hundred players there. But at the end of the day, I'm tired of hearing about the Mexico Open. Like it's just a a, a, a tournament sure. on it's the PGA Tour. It's not that big yeah. of a deal. But it's an Again. event to have an event because you don't want to just have right. an off week where no one plays, right? Because you right. have, uh, you know, hundreds of guys that are not in the top 20, these top, these big names, they play in Ryder Cups, they play in President's Cups. These guys are still out there trying to earn a living and earn a paycheck. And so yeah. uh, you got to give them a shot too, because there's tons of baseball players that people don't really hear about or know about. You know, the guy's the 25th man on every team. You don't really know him. You don't really know who he is. But he's still grinding for a professional sport, grinding for a paycheck. And that's what these guys are out there doing. So, uh, shout out to Jake Knapp. They say he's one of the silkiest, smoothest swings you've seen, and it sure does. Uh, it, it does appear to be that way, but he still gets about a 190 ball speed out of it, which is incredible to see. Um, hit it well all week. Uh, a, a recognizable finish. Uh, he struggled on Sunday. Uh, to to uh, He was one over through, I think, 16, and I think he ended up finishing either one over or even par, but he ended up winning the, the event at 19 under uh, by a good margin. Um, looked cool, calm, and collected out there, the same as we've seen with Nick Dunlap. And again, we've talked about this. We're going to do a whole show dedicated to this where uh, young stars or early wins uh, may not always be the you know the great predictor of success going forward. Sometimes people have great moments, and sometimes people have great wins. And we've got to stop saying, oh, he's the next this. Watch out for him. He's going to be a star. He's going to... 
let's all calm down. Let people enjoy their wins, one. And two, let's stop saying people are great because great players such as a Rory McIlroy, a Jordan Spieth, a Justin Thomas, they've earned it. They've gotten that far. They've done this time and time again. Someone who comes out and wins their first PGA Tour win, calm down, it's one win. Uh, let, let's be honest here. So, uh, again, golf does this and overhypes it way too much. It's such a hard sport that your golf game can leave you tomorrow and you're stuck trying to find it. So, uh, again, congratulations to Nat, but the PGA leaderboard argument, you had a good point. None of the live guys would have played in anyway. So, Right. And, and the big thing is, you know, and we're going to talk about, you know, touch on this a little bit too, is I hear, you hear a lot about the OWGR. And, and for me, if the Asian tour didn't get more points than the PGA tour, and I know it probably didn't happen. That that's where I would agree with a live a live argument sure. because you had twenty one live players there, and five of them are in the top fifteen in the world. Sure. Okay, that's just the bottom line. And I think I think that's something that you you look at. Okay, and I think that's a big complaint. And Mexico didn't have a whole lot of good players, if any. And it's just uh, you know I, the I really, OWGR. Really hope that, yeah. It's, it's not going to find its way away. It's going to, it's going to, oh, it's way. got to, right. It's got to, um, but, but the, the live guys are in Jetta this week at Royal greens and, you know, they've got another tournament coming up. And I, my question for you is Mike Mills. Are you going to be tuning in? No, I, so I'm not an Anthony Kim fan. I wasn't an Anthony Kim fan when he played uh, over 12 years ago. Uh, I thought he was overrated when he did play. I was never a big, you know, oh, AK-40. Listen, I thought all that was nonsense hype back then anyway. Uh, played some, played well. I mean, don't get me wrong, played well, and then I just fell off the map and disappeared. The video did get leaked of him warming up, and someone, I think, quote tweeted it perfectly and says, that's exactly what I've pictured Anthony Kim to look like after not seeing him for 12 years. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, shout out to the Barstool guys. I think that was them on the four-play pod. But uh, so – I'm not. I'm not going to be tuning in to live uh, just because Anthony Kim's playing. Um, if if it was on this week and and you had the Mexico Open, yeah, what I would probably tuned in. Probably, I think it would have been better golf um, to watch. But uh, I won't be tuning in. Uh, I I don't understand the hype. I don't understand uh, his whole touted comeback. I mean, calm down. I mean, there's people that have come back from from you know, I think more serious injuries and have have really risen to the ranks. Someone like a a Max Homa who got his card, lost his card, got his card, lost his card, and now has risen to top 10 in the world. I think that's an incredible story that doesn't get enough hype. Uh, Gary Woodland coming back from brain surgery, definitely got the hype of Riviera, but you know there was no big lead up to his comeback. I mean, that, that we're talking about Anthony Kim. I mean, he hadn't played golf in 12 years. I, calm down. Oh, I, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I could care less. And honestly, I don't, I don't wish bad on anybody, but I hope he shoots no. 85. I hope he shoots 85. I hope he shoots 85. I hope DJ shoots 85, Rom shoots 96, because Rom's been running his mouth all week. See, I have no problem. I have no problem with you joining Liv. I would take that money in a heartbeat. If somebody said they were going to pay me a dollar to do what you and I do every week, I'd take it, because right now we don't get paid a dime. Okay? You'd be stupid not to get paid more money to do the same job. But sure. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you made a bed, and you got to sleep in it. I'm so sick of hearing about them. Well, I, but I mean, here's my thing, though. When you say that, you're just not a live fan, so you're sick of hearing it because you're not a live fan. They made their bed, and they are sleeping in it because a lot of guys are not complaining about things. Rom came out and said, hey, listen, circumstances change. It's my responsibility to take care of my family. I did it. He did come back and say, 
yeah, money's a big factor. So I have respect for that. I have respect for guys making more money to play less golf. Uh, I think Rama is also, you know, probably their new face, and, and if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And so for him getting news media, they're trying to pump their tour up as, as well. I don't have a problem with what he's been saying. I really don't. Who I do have a problem with is Taylor Gooch coming out and saying that uh, if Rory wins the Masters as an asterisk to it because, what, he's not playing? Give me a break. I'm sorry. If you were good enough to play in the majors, you would have already qualified before you went to live. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't help you. That's one that I don't agree with is that if he had played well enough, he would have got a sponsor exemption because his his live teammate, not teammate literally, but his live uh, playing mate on the same tour, blah, 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 uh, Joaquin Neiman got an invite, got a special invite. And I think yeah. he should because Joaquin Neiman is a phenomenal player. Uh, we saw him not too long ago shoot 59. That was a big story that came out. So Joaquin Neiman's going to be at the Masters. Taylor Gooch is not. So if Augusta National doesn't think you're good enough to play, uh, don't call Roy's an asterisk because anyone winning at Augusta is never going to have an asterisk. That well, course mean, is hard enough by itself. Jack was hurt with a back injury one year. Should we put an asterisk next to that? Should, Should we, we have an asterisk, asterisk to the years that Tiger ev- missed? I mean, yeah. I mean what, what are you talking about? The yeah. greatest player- Every event that Tiger missed is going to be having an asterisk because Tiger yeah. was in play? Come on. I mean, I mean, Jack Nicholas, arguably the greatest player of all time, and by Tiger's measure, Jack is still number one. Missed tournaments. So, I, I mean, he's not playing in this year's Masters. So, asterisks, asterisks. I mean, Tiger missed you know, several years because of injury. And you're going to tell me that's an asterisk now because the greatest player of all time wasn't playing in the tournament? Uh, yeah, just, I see. I, I think that's so stupid. And that's, I don't know if that's for clicks. I don't know what that was for from Taylor Gooch. He's been in the news a lot lately. He was part of a live trade. He did win live player of the year. So, he's been playing well golf. I, he's been playing golf well. I'm not going to take that away from him. But a very important distinction to make is this. Joaquin Neiman plays on other tours. He plays in other events that's not just live. Taylor Gooch only plays on live. So Joaquin Neiman's playing around the country. He played in Dubai, and I think he got tied for second. And so he's playing in other events. So that's why he's also getting a sponsor exemption. He's not just playing 54 holes at a party scene wearing shorts. Right. And he's also not playing against guys, admittedly, admittedly, I don't have to practice as much to play live golf. Admitting that. But I, so I, I understand that, but sometimes, you know, but, but he still is playing against DJ Rom, uh, Cam Smith. I mean, there's some very DJ good was players. The one that said it. He didn't have to practice as much to play live golf. Well, DJ didn't practice that much on the PJ tour either, but, I but we're digressing. And, and here's the point. The point is that I, I don't think I'm going to be tuning in just because Anthony Kim showed up. I do want this to become a, some point, a merger where we do see the best in the world play against each other, because I do think an Augusta national, you know, I know these guys get a chance to play Brooks, Rom, DJ. They get a chance to play, but you know, some of the some of the best players in the world, if they're not there because they aren't qualified for it, I do like seeing Augusta give a special exemption. And it also makes me wonder: Will the other three majors give some? I know the U.S. Open has qualifying procedures. Uh, the PGA, I probably doubt, will invite people, and the Open Championship has other qualifying procedures as well. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see if they in the rules to bring some of these guys on, but I'm pretty sure that the big names are already in. And you know, Rom's in for the next five lifetime at Masters and five years of the U.S. Open and Open and yeah. PGA anyway. So, yeah, so um, it's going to be good. And it's going to be good to see him play because I haven't seen him play this year. So I'm excited to see Rom play and tee it up at Augusta. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, it's in the, and, and I wasn't necessarily asked about Anthony Kim, and I'm glad you brought that up though. Like, I, I would do, I mean, I want to see him play, see what he's got. Uh, I was an AK-47 guy. I mean, he was not above Tiger. Let's get that straight first. But 
I did, he did bring some some flash, okay? He did bring some flash. The Ryder Cup was cool. As far as <clears throat> the tournaments go, I, mean, I, I just like, – I, I like watching the golf. Like, you see yeah. a 1,000% more golf. And so, I mean, for me, I mean, that, that would be the reason I would watch it this weekend, if I watch it. A lot going on. But but uh, somebody's got a birthday this weekend. I'm going to slip over and see if I can have a bourbon with them one night. Um, but, uh, you know – at the end of the day, I mean, I think I'll tune in for a few minutes, check out, see how the, the new shot stuff is going. I'm excited for the Google part too. So, yeah, yeah, the the Live has got some technological advancements that I'm hoping that when they win and if they do merge, uh, that does get brought over to the PGA Tour. So, um, Justin, we are creeping into March, and with March brings baseball season, and you can tell behind me, I am a big Yankee fan. I cannot wait for baseball. We're gonna have a spring training. We're gonna have a a opening day episode. We're going to highlight some opening day features, talk about some big topics. But uh, before we get into too much baseball, uh, Justin and I wanted to touch on a little bit. Spring training is right on the corner. Uh, opening day this year is going to be in Korea. We have a we have a series where the the Dodgers and Padres are going to open it over there on March uh, March twentieth, and so we do see that. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, big names still out in free agency, Justin. So there's a lot of teams that uh, if they're looking for something or maybe something. Uh, unfortunate it happens the first week of spring training, you go out there and grab that free agent. Yeah, and if you're the Red Sox, we're just going to sell all our good players. I mean, I'm surprised we have any left. It's just we're we're busy buying the PGA Tour, not even worried about playing baseball anymore. <laughs> that, that's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. I'm really excited but, uh, for the Yankees to beat the East this year because Baltimore's not going to have it. Um, Toronto and Tampa are just terrible tees. So, well, uh, I root for know. the Red Sox to go 0-162 every year. So, well, you know what? I hope they do. Maybe we'll get some better draft picks because we suck right now. All right. So switching out of baseball again, stay tuned. We're going to have that coming up. Uh, but Justin, so spring training in baseball. And before that, right on the same time, we do have starting this weekend is the NFL Combine, uh, where college athletes from, from around the country are going to show up here in Indianapolis and, and give their best in a set of skills and drills. Now, this has been widely also talked about through the NFL community, NFL fans, that a lot of people don't believe in the combine. They don't participate. Some do, some don't. I, I on and for one, am a, a pretty big combine fan. I do enjoy it. I've missed it the past couple of years due to travel and different things, but I do enjoy the combine. I like seeing the 40. Uh, I understand that that doesn't necessarily portray into NFL skills, and I get all that. But I think it's interesting to see, just to see where guys are, where they stack up. Uh, so, Justin, what's your favorite NFL combine, uh, I guess, exercise or workout? It is the... 225 pound bench press. Now, it's absolutely, back, huh? Back in your heyday, how many think you can put up? I could have hit 30. Easy. I, don't, I don't think 30 is a problem. Uh-oh, uh oh, the there record, it is. The record in the NFL is 49. And, and you I think really you can hit 30? Oh, I, I mean, I, I tell you what, market right now at 40 minutes in the show on February 27th, 2024, by August 27th, 2024, I could hit 25. I, I believe that. It. Listen, um, listen, for those that don't understand that, Justin is actually an incredible athlete. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a big debate. Uh, his father is in there, Matty B's in there, about, about Justin not being an athlete, but Justin is an incredible athlete. So I, I actually do believe Justin can hit 25 by August. I also do believe... He'd give everything he has and, and every ounce of effort he has to hit that 30 if he was in the NFL combine. So I, I, I'm never going to doubt you, Justin. You know, I've always been a big supporter. No, and I appreciate that. Um, 
the issue with hitting 30 is it's still 19 behind the record. Um, in 2011, defensive tackle from Oregon State smoked it. I mean, it, it, and the thing is, is like 225 isn't really prevalent right now as far as an NFL player goes because nobody weighs 225 pounds. It, it's just a strength test. It's an endurance test. Sure. Um, but the goal, and the goal for for me, okay, for me as a man is three fifteen. Like that, I want to be three fifteen okay. ten times. Never worry about it. You know, I don't. I don't now. Like I'm. It's not that I'm old, but I don't. I don't need to do that. But two twenty five is still on there. But sure. But when you were a kid growing up, like two hundred twenty five pounds, you know, because it was the combine number for going into the NFL was was a number to hit. And I mean, Coach Blanton used to get on me all the time. He's like you got to be repping them things out real fast. Like you can't, you can't play with 220. You need to get there and let's, that needs to be your starter. And um, I just remember getting there. Like that was, that was the ultimate goal to get there when you're a freshman and then you're, you're there, you know, by mid year and you're, you're moving along. Um, but for somebody to do it almost 50 times, you know, and I know they're, they're working oh, on that's incredible. and stuff, but, but you've got all this other stuff going on. I mean, that's just ripping it right there. Um, oh yeah. What about I'm you? Though? Big fan of you're the 40. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the 40-yard dash. That's that's probably my favorite to watch. I know it doesn't, you know, always equate to quickness uh, or it's just straight line speed. I get it. Um, but back in the day, you used to always see who ran a 4-4. Now it's kind of gotten into the 4-3s, 4-2s. Uh, and so I always try to see uh, those. I was a big fan uh, watching Chris Johnson when he broke it. I remember watching that. Uh, and that record stood for quite a while. So I, I, I enjoy watching the 40. Um, I actually got a chance to participate uh, when I was uh, working for a uh, uh, an indoor football league, uh, an indoor football team. I got a I got a chance to participate in what a we had a mini combine, and I actually got to throw in the wide receiver drill. So that was a big highlight for me. Shout out to Austin who remembers that uh, the Huntington Heroes. So I got the chance to throw in that. So I do like a lot of wide receiver drills uh, just because I got a chance to participate in that. So I always watch out for those. Yeah, I, the combine is honestly has nothing to do with the NFL anymore. It is such a joke. Um, all these things are, I mean, they, you know, the vertical jumps, the broad jumps, the three cone drills, the 20 yard shuttle, the 40 yard dash. I mean, all that stuff is great to look at and it gives you some numbers, but, but these athletes are, are doing things that these can't even measure. I mean, you know, yeah. you look at Micah Parsons, Tyree kill, um, you know, the quarterbacks don't do any, they don't really, I mean, the quarterbacks this year, are not throwing, I honestly, with all the, all the debate over who's going to go number one, if it's me and I'm Jaden Daniels or uh, Drake May, I'm throwing. I'm doing everything I can to sure. rest assured these minds, these, these, you know, GMs of these, well, these teams. I, I can throw. I can do it. And it also shows that you're a competitor. You want to go out there and compete. You want to be in the mix. You want to play football. I think a lot of times what people are missing, and I think what some GMs miss out on, and we see this with bus all the time, is that you didn't draft a competitor. You didn't draft somebody who wants to play football, wants to win, thinks about playing football. If you're drafting someone out there who's counting his money already, thinking about where he's going to go to dinner and what car he's going to drive, you have a problem because you don't have a you don't have a stud there. You don't have someone that you can build your franchise around. You want I want guys that want to play football. I want guys that want to be on my team. There's also a topic we're just not going to get into in this offseason about GMs. About we're going to play if I was the GM and if Justin was the GM, how we would make these decisions when it comes to certain players. And so uh, stay tuned for that. That's going to be a wild episode, but. I want guys around me that want to play football. I I want those that have those that dog in them that that all they want to do is think about playing football. I don't I don't need people out there who want to take days off and skip practice and skip the combine because 
for whatever reason, not get up there and throw and play. That's who I want on my team. Yeah, I don't like so. I, I'm the the Caleb Williams, Drake Mays, the Jaden Daniels not throwing. Like, uh, okay, I, I don't understand. But the biggest one of all, Marvin Harrison Jr. is not not going to the combine at all, and he's not going to the Ohio State Pro Day. Like, I don't know who you think you are because who your daddy was, but you ain't that good. Like you're not you're you're good. You're going to be drafted in the top ten. Don't get me wrong. Let's walk that back a second. But but you still need to go out and show. They need to be able to test your mental fortitude. And if and if you don't show up, if you don't let them in, well, what are you giving them to go off of? Because right now, what they're going off of is y'all didn't do squat. You lost to Michigan three years in a row at Ohio State. So what what good are you? You run and get open and catch the ball, but. Are you making plays against good opponents? Well, we don't know. What what, what physicality do you have? What can you show me? Sure. And you're taking yeah. – you're not doing that before the draft? Now, if he's going to have private workouts, I'm fine with that. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, man, this is your time to shine in front of the nation sure. and in front of all 32 GMs, all 32 head coaches, anybody that wants to do football – and, and your I, I actually think they should do away with pro days. I, I think they should do away with pro days. You, you have one chance, show up at the combine. And if you don't want to show up at the combine, okay, then your college resume is going to stand for itself. This whole pro day where I get a chance to set up exactly what I want to do and I'm only going to do the drills I want to do. When has the NFL game ever catered to, to a rookie? When well, has the NFL game ever catered but... to a football player? It, it's going to play out in the field. So you show up and you're like, well, I'm going to only do what I want to do. I'm only going to throw 10 times. What are we doing here? Well, now I would agree with you, except uh, the combine's limited to who it invites. Okay, so okay. so the the top guys, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. That's what you pay scouts for to go to college the, football games. The guys, the guys want controlled environments. They want to get the biggest payday. They don't want to make a mistake. You know, one mistake can dock them five million dollars. I mean, again, remember the greatest quarterback of all time, the goat, as they call him right now, Tom Brady. Okay, seven Super Bowl rings. Okay, sixth, sixth round. Right, Patrick Mahomes was drafted outside the top Mm ten. So they don't want to take that hit. I I don't know. I don't know. There's an answer for it because each person's different. At the same time, I agree with you. If you get if you get invited to the combine, that's your pro day. Leave the pro days for the the second, third, fourth round guys that don't get invited. Um, I think it's important for them. I 100% think that. The pro days are are meant to be good for the players that are are leaving the school. Um, you know, it, it's something that if, if if you are a senior and you're like, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the pro day, I'm gonna try the pro day this year, and I'm not coming back, and you're a 50-50 guy, that's essentially your tryout, right? Sure. Um, but to that point, know, they also have point. they also have the senior bowls and things like that. I mean, it's it's a lot of looks coming, but. Again, the top guys, I don't understand. I just can't. Tolman's probably grabbing a steering wheel, hoping that I make this point because I've got to make it. To your point about people taking going up to the combine and maybe they don't do well or whatever it may be, and they, their, stock, their, their draft day stock drops and they get $5 million less. When you talk about a Mahomes or Brady, they're still gamers. They still went out and did it. They still went out and played football, and they got max contracts. They got mega deals. They became stars. They, they won Super Bowls. You know why? They wanted to play football. They didn't care about where they were going to dinner and what car they're driving and, oh, I had to set it up my way and do all this. No, they showed up and played. And so you brought up a good point. Had Mahomes gotten drafted first or second, let's say he goes to Cleveland, would Mahomes still be Mahomes and the Cleveland Browns? 
you and I have de- you and I have debated that, and I've told you, yeah. yes, he would because he's a gamer. I still think Mahomes Mahomes would have made the Browns. He made the Chiefs. He would have made stop. the Browns. That means that Matt Brueggemann would have three Super Bowls right now. Just stop. I'm not Just saying stop. they would have won the Super Bowls, but I think they would have won the AFC title game. They wouldn't even have they been. They would have been. They would. They would have been just fine. fire. My point being is that if you're good, if if you are that good and you care about your craft and you want to continue getting better, you get what you put in. And so I, I remember Tiger saying this, and Michael Jordan has said this: what you put into practice, what you put into your effort, you get results out of. If you're not willing to show up and do the work, don't expect the paycheck. Don't expect max deals. Don't just show up and be like, "Oh, I was gifted with this talent at 18 years old. I don't have to work hard anymore." you'll be out of the league in three years and you should be out of the league in three years because that shouldn't be tolerated. It is now we cater to so many uh, people nowadays and, and also around the world we cater to people, but this is my hashtag do better show up and play the game, play the game for what it is. Not, not to make 50, 70, $90 million and just call it quits and say, Oh, okay, well I made my money. I'm done. No, show up and play the game because you started as a kid playing this game for fun, for the, the enjoyment of winning. And somewhere along the way, when you lose that, uh, you're you're disrespecting the fans, the game, everyone else. Play the game to win, and the money will come. You've seen it. Mahomes dropped to what I think it was 15th, and now he's the best quarterback in the league. It, yeah. It, okay, he got snubbed. That's fine. Shame on those 14 teams that that didn't draft him. Right. It, make that. Put a chip on your shoulder. Go out there and win. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I, you know, it just is. It's hard to get into the money part of it because it is such a big deal now. The difference between a first rounder and a second and a third paycheck wise. Um, you'll make money you know, though. You'll, you'll, you will get round it. guys. Second round guys hardly make it to year three. It's like 40%. The biggest thing I think, Mike, that I'm going to give you a little, little turkey stat here is, is the turnout for juniors because of the NIL. You were down, I want to say it's 40 to 50% of juniors coming out of college early now one because most of them can make more money in college than they can sure. in the nfl sure um you know the lack of uh, and and again they don't get a decade so secret about a decade in nil we're gonna see we're gonna see the damage of that i didn't mean to jump in there but i think i think let's get a decade of stats on that and let's see how how if that's gonna be a positive or negative for football go ahead i think it's already a positive like i'll, I'll let's carry that point no i already think it's a positive you're getting better college football because guys are staying longer. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wish the NBA would quit this. They need a year to grow up. No, they don't. Just let them go out of high school. Do just like baseball does. Either they go out of high school or they mandatory three years in, the, in college. Just just stop. Yeah. Stop playing games with these that. kids. Like one year in college does nothing. You know what it does? It makes coaches like Calipari just have freshman teams. They do what they can do. They don't win titles anymore. Because yeah. you don't have five guys that can come together that don't play together and all of a sudden be great. It, it, that does not work. Well, it's they have no pride in the school. They have no pride in the school. No. They're there for one year because it's mandatory for them to go to the NBA. And that's yeah. what I have a big problem with. Have pride in your school if you choose to go there. You know, I just the, – the thing that the, the, thing that the NL is going to hurt, it's going to hurt the kids that already have problems whether it's family life, drugs, alcohol, it's going to hurt them. Um, that's the negative side of it, in my opinion. I don't care about all the money. I don't care about the way they, you know, I mean, they behave, whatever. I mean, we've got Jerome McDonald's before this. But I think the positives are it is going to help the NFL. Um, it could possibly help college baseball. I think it helps the athlete 
feel their worth when, and see, this gets back to what you're talking about with the guys getting more money. The colleges are making so much money. I don't know what they do with it all because, you know, everybody talks about they're barely making money, blah, blah, blah. You got to fund the rest of those sports. Well, I understand that, but, but the colleges are make, like the NFL guys. And I've said this, I said this every year at Atlee High School when I was there. There's no reason that the football team didn't get taken care of like the women's basketball team did. Okay. There's no reason, shout out to Becky Levy, head coach of the year, I believe, in 2003 or should have been, for winning a state championship in softball at the highest level that the basketball team should have gotten more, okay? The, the things that went on in high school showed me what would happen in college and showed what happened. The big schools get the money, and, and that should happen, but the, the, the colleges are getting the money, right? Like, and I'm not saying us as players should have gotten it in high school. No, sure. Not at all, but, yeah, no. but these kids aren't worried about going to the next level and getting money because they're getting it now. They're yeah, getting true. taken care of, and which, okay – if I can stay one more year and net $1 million or $500,000 and I go to the pros and it's 990,000 plus I got to pay my agent, plus I got to pay this, plus I got to pay that. But the school's taking care of all of my care, all of my weight, all that stuff. I'm going to stay in school for another year. Oh yeah. You're going to stay up and yeah. make money. Yeah. And you're going to stay and go get your, your degree as well. And, and because you may not, you know, listen, the, the fallout rate to the professionals drops off dramatically. <laughs> right. So you may not be there. So yeah. uh, again, uh, let us know what you think about the NIL. Let us know what you think about the, the state of college sports. We touched on the beginning, and then we kind of circled back to college here at the end when it comes to uh, court storming, NIL. There's a lot going on in the college landscape, and we'll we'll see what the stats look like and what the, the professional game also is going to look like because, again, that's the future of, the, of all of our professional leagues right there, and it starts in college. So, uh, Justin, before we dive into our last segment, so – as we are in uh, three-year-old season for horse racing, our, our end of year, if you stuck with us this whole way, or maybe you fast-forwarded because you wanted to get to the horse racing, we're going to end all of our podcasts for the next, uh, leading up to the Derby 150, the first Saturday of May. They're going to end with horse racing. We're going to do a quick horse racing segment. So, Justin, before we dive into that, what else we got on sports? Anything else that we need to jump around, whip around, coverage on? No, I, I tell you, it's crazy. Um I, I, I've been following some hockey. There are a lot of uh, – A lot of good teams in hockey. Uh, well, it's a lot of craziness right now. So, the Capitals have been getting smoked all season. They haven't been playing well, haven't been scoring goals. They've won four to five now. Uh, they're playing tonight against Detroit. Might be in the playoff picture all of a sudden. They were nine points back at the break, um, you know, which is which is crazy. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, for those who don't know, he's chasing Wayne Gretzky. He's – 57 goals away. The Avalanche lost uh, seven out of 10. They're, they're smoking Dallas tonight. They're up five, one right now. Um, but they it, lost to Toronto on the weekend, which I, which I, yeah, uh, congratulations. I was, I was glad uh, on that. But, but I think what's interesting about hockey right now is there's so many really good teams that may have weak goaltenders. And there's some teams that have really good goaltenders, but have a weak lineup. And so I think that's really interesting coming down to the NHL playoffs because uh, like Boston, Boston's a, a, a phenomenal team top to bottom, but their yeah. goaltending might be their weak spot. And you look at Florida that has a, a goaltender that stood on his head last year, and you have a really good goaltending team and also a pretty good defensive team out there in Florida as well. So uh, good hockey that's showing up. Vegas Knights are going to try to repeat in the Stanley Cup, and, and they're up at the top of the division. Uh, Edmonton's going to still try to get in the playoffs so Conor McDavid can shine. And so it's going to be good NHL playoffs coming in, uh, I think it's in the middle of April. 
Yeah, I, right now, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to play Florida. I don't want to see them. Even though, I mean, in, in, in talking about the Capitals, they lost them 2-1 in overtime the other night, but they are, are 3-2 in overtime. But but I'm telling you, you you hit it, the nail on the head. The goaltending will make or break a team this year. Um, Colorado, Gorgiev is, is awful. He's horrendous. They have to score three goals a night, a minimum. Uh, he just is playing like crap. Um, and and his his former the former goalie Kemper, who's in Washington now, he's getting replaced by the backup. Um, it, that is a Can't big buy a issue. goaltender out there in Colorado. It's a big issue right now with that. I mean, for my team especially. Um, and the question is, is is who's going to be sellers and who's going to be buyers? The trade deadline's coming. Yep. I hope. Gosh, I really do hope this that. And it's a local team, but I really would love Washington to lose the next five games and be like, okay, we're not going to make it and send us their backup goalie. We have <laughs> got to have somebody in that that can stop goals because Nikushkin just came back. You know, we, we're, we're good, and I don't want to make this a Colorado thing, but but the biggest thing is is there have been injuries this year. There have been goaltender problems throughout the league, and I think it's it's really cool to watch the divisions like – if you could do a, a point tracker of teams moving sure. up and down, going yeah, on runs. I mean, it's a it's like a bat. You know, we've talked about this many a time, you know, just you and I, about how basketball is a game of ebb and flow. The NHL season has been the same way. Oh, you know, you yeah. have the same top teams, but they're moving, you know, up and down the point line and, and the playoff picture. I think it's going to be pr- probably just like the NFL was, a great postseason. Yeah. Excited for it. It'll be something I can watch because I don't have to watch them dribble a basketball up and down the court because that is horrendous after the second week of April and I have no college on. So hockey is going to be good this year. I'm excited yeah. for it. Um, Season of streaks for sure. Season of streaks yeah. for sure. And the NHL it's playoffs crazy. are always going to be great. So uh, an NHL playoff game always follows the the Kentucky Derby, which is the first Saturday in May. So I'm always excited to watch the Derby and then watch whatever hockey playoff is, is that evening. So getting into the Kentucky Derby preps, we touched on it last episode and we're going to kind of do more of a deep dive, a quick horse racing schooling lesson uh, with Mike. And so, what we're talking about is three-year-old males, and and females can run the Derby if they choose to. But there is a Phillies race, which is the female horse. Uh, the Phillies can run on the first Friday in May, which is called the Kentucky Oaks, and many of them choose to. There have been several female Derby winners that chose that chose to run against the boys, and so that's a possibility as well. So as we get into uh, three-year-old season, which we are deep in right now, you're going to hear us talk about the Philly race, which are again the girls, and then you're going to hear us talk about. Uh, the Colts that are racing, which are the boys, the three-year-old uh, males that are competing for the Kentucky Derby. So again, first Saturday in May, Kentucky Derby. First Friday in May is the Kentucky Oaks. So Justin, we highlighted the Rebel that was this past weekend. Uh, Brad Cox had a monster Philly that just did not fire uh, and came up short uh, in in the Philly race uh, on the Rebel undercard. But then the Rebel, Timberlake, stormed to the front and, and was who he thought he was. However, he did beat a weak field. Yeah, I I don't know that you give him much there. I mean, he went off at four to five. Yep. <laughs> in a field that saw one other under five to one, you had a five to yeah. one, four to five. It's a weak field, you know. It, it just it, it professional win did what he needed to do to win professional. Yeah, win, I mean, but it, listen, field. the biggest thing is he won, right? I mean, that's that's sure. what we're trying to do right now, we're trying to win races, right? So. You can only beat who's up against you, you know, in every sport we say that. But what what does that mean going forward? Do people overprice him? Do they under, you know, what's going to happen here in the next few weeks when he runs again? 
Um, you know, there's some big races coming up, and, and I just I wonder what happens when he gets smoked because he's not he's on everybody's list. He's sure. not the favorite on a lot of yeah, them. He's on everybody's race, yeah. list, and and you know he it's almost like he toyed with them. That that's the funny thing. He sits back, he's running the race, and then he just says, "All right, time to go win," and, and he goes and does it. So and he does I, it. I just I'm always wary about a horse that does that with only probably what two, maybe three more races before. I mean, maybe just two, maybe just one before no, the gonna derby. Have, he's going to have one more. So he's going to be pointing to the Arkansas Derby. That's what the Rebel is at Oakland Park. Rebel usually leads into uh, the Arkansas Derby. So he'll have one more race before the Derby. Um, and so what Justin was talking about when he says toy with him. So there are three different, three distinct running styles in horse racing. You have your, uh, speed horses, which shoot out of the gate and go to the lead. And they've got to be on the lead or near the lead because that's their running style. If you get them shuffled in the back or they don't get out of the gate very well, they tend not to run very well. They don't run their race because they don't like dirt getting kicked in their face. Because again, keep in mind, these horses are running on dirt. And the Kentucky Derby has ran at a mile and one quarter. So a mile plus a quarter of a mile is the Kentucky Derby. The prep races are usually at a mile, a mile and a sixteenth or a mile and an eighth. And so they're building up that stamina. They're building up that, because again, these are three-year-old horses that have only really raced before the Derby, maybe about five times. And that's still probably a, a good amount for a horse to race a little bit at two and then two or three races at a three-year-old, like Justin mentioned. And so these horses that are building up these stamina. So you have your front runners, you have your speed horses, you have your pace horse. And then you have your stalker or your mid-pack. And that's what Justin was talking about with Timberlake was. He sat fourth or fifth in the race. Uh, on the outside, so not closest to the rail that you see when you watch it on TV, kind of towards the middle of the track, or a few horses outside, and maybe the three-path or four-path if you looked at this as if it was a track uh, for track and field. So you have those mid-packs, you have those stalker type of horses, and then you have ones that are way back that fall to the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, or 11th place, and they're far behind everyone. Those are closers. They kind of jog and lag up and keep with the field because they have a one-turn boost, and when they come off the turn to that final stretch run, uh, uh, to get to the finish line, they have that one-turn boost. The jockey steers them out wide, typically, to get clear. And once they see daylight, they know it's their cue to hit it because, again, that's their running style. So you will see this. Uh, typically, the best derby horses or the derby winners are using mid-pack or stalkers. Um, and then the second type would be more of a speed horse that's out front. Get out front, stay out front. You're going to hear me talk about that a lot as well. And that's when a horse breaks out of the gates to gets first or second and usually first. They have no dirt in their face. They have a clear path, and they, they go wire to wire on the field. So we're going to talk about that. So we got three races coming up. Justin, we got the Fountain of Youth, which is in Gulfstream Park in Florida, which is the lead up uh, into the Florida Derby. So we had the Rebel that leads in the Arkansas Derby. You got the Fountain of Youth now that's going to lead into the Florida Derby. And then uh, you have uh, out west at Santa Anita, uh, the, the prep for the Santa Anita Derby <coughs> is called the San Felipe. And so you have the San Felipe that's going to be run out in Santa Anita. And that's a mile and a 16th as well. Same with the Fountain of Youth, mile and 16th. And their preps turn into a mile and an eighth, uh, typically, uh, depending on the track. And so then the one in between those two is going to be at Aqueduct, which is the Gotham. And the Gotham is uh, run at Aqueduct race court, Racetrack, which leads into the Wood Memorial. And these are terms you may have heard of, uh, the Gotham being only a mile. So it's a little shorter than some of the preps. So this is one that... Your New York-based horses uh, typically gear towards um, because they haven't really got up and running yet. Or if you have a horse that's breaking uh, maybe late 
getting a late start, late maturity, you put them in the mile because a mile and the 16th might just be too far. So, uh, Justin, what are you excited about when it comes to derby season? Well, I, I'm excited for <laughs> excited for all the excitement. Um, I, I just love watching them run. I, honestly, just, just watching because you're going to see – if you watch all the races, you're going to see over 100 horses, and you're going to see them, you know, the 20 that make it to the derby. Um, and you're going to be like, man, that guy could have gotten there. That, that, that horse could have been in there. Um, but, but watching, watching some of these favorites lose, watching a, a, a 50 to one or 30 to one come in there and just annihilate them. And it might be the best race he ever went runs and wins, sure. but, but that's the great thing about it is there's a lot of unknowns. Like every, this is not, you know, they come out with their list of who is this and who is that. And every year. Every year, there's a couple of unknowns that nobody is like believing in. Nobody cares about like they're not going to do anything. And they come out and they either win a race, or they finish in the top three, two, 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 three times in a row, and just changes changes the picture of what the Derby is. Sure. Um, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to predict. They're so young, they're yep. maturing late, and so you when you're looking for a Derby horse to pick, what you want to pay attention to is is that horse progressing every race. Did they get better in speed figures? If you like speed figures, and we'll go into that in a different show, what speed figures are. And and, and a quick quick side note on speed figures, that is what someone has designated how fast of a race they ran. So the higher you get into the 80s and 90s and 100s, those are elite speed figures, the 90s, 100s, and that's what you're looking for. Did they increase their speed figure each time? Did they race better each race? And so that's what you want to see getting in the dirt because, again, these horses are maturing. Some are late bloomers. And it's just frustrating. But again, keep in mind, this is, you get one shot as a horse. You get one shot at this. It's your three-year-old year. That is it. If you don't qualify, if you don't make it, if you get sick, it is what it is. And that's a tough, tough thing for some owners and trainers. Yeah, I mean, especially for the ones born in the later half of the year. They're still young. Um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, the, the great thing about this is, is you get to watch something that is, it's, you know, the jockeys, they, they do a great job, right? Like the jockeys are, are awesome. They're a big part of the horse racing. I get it. But you're watching an animal that has been trained and knows what it's doing. And and hopefully they're doing the right things and taking care of them and things like that. You know, you, you hate to see the Bob Baffert stories that you know, there's still questions about sure. all that. But, but you're watching this just phenomenal athlete get around a track and the pure strength. I mean, you know, we talked about it with the combine. Oh. I love just the strength that these animals show in that, you know, you look at them, the sweat's just beating off in the winter circle. And it's like that dude, he just gave everything he could to yeah. go out here and he won this race. And, and it's just and the coordination, it's, it's, the coordination yeah, I, with to the do what they do to get in the turns. I mean, it's not, you're not born with this instinct um, sure. as a, as a natural horse, as a wild horse. So you're thinking about the generations before, you know, the ones that are in secretariat's lineage and, you know, just what that means, um, the pageantry of it all. I mean, it's just a beautiful day, but but when it gets down to it and the dirt's flying, it is. there's nothing better than watching them just absolutely eat that dirt going around. And it comes up and here we go. Yeah. Called the most exciting two minutes in sports for a reason. Um, I look forward to this day every every year. Uh, it's one of my favorite sports days. Uh, you know, my family was big into horse racing. I grew up watching it. I grew up around it. Um, really enjoy the sport. Uh, the sport of it, uh, sport of kings, as it's been also called too. So Justin talked about secretariat's lineage, and 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 for those that are either new to horse racing or getting into it, secretariat 
and is arguably considered and widely considered the greatest of all time. And so when you talk about lineage, it means uh, the the babies that Secretary had that had babies and down the line, down the line. And so that's a big part of it, because if your uh, father or your mother of a horse, uh, you know, as a horse were uh, sprinters, you're more than likely going to be a sprinter. You have a lot more natural speed built into you. That's what your genetics are going to kind of show. And so as horse players, as us, the fans, we're looking at did the horse lineage provide stamina, speed, maybe a combination of both. And so that's a big part when you're doing your handicapping, looking at horses to see who you think is going to be a winner. Again, stay tuned all year. We're going to have these wisdoms. We're going to have these small nuggets. I'm not going to uh, dump them all at one time because I don't want to over overload anyone. I want to kind of take piece by piece. So again, we're talking about these prep races. We talked a little bit about lineage. And so uh, looking forward to this Saturday, we have the Fountain of Youth, which is at Gulfstream Park. Two big horses in that. Justin's going to be Dorock and Locked. Locked trained by Todd Pletcher, Hall of Fame trainer. Uh, one of the best. You'll see his name over and over again. Uh, written by Jose Ortiz, one of the Ortiz brothers. Uh, I think Irad Ortiz is the greatest jockey on the planet right now. So his old, his his actually younger brother Jose Ortiz uh, is is uh, is up is is on his level. He's he's been great. He's a, he's a champion jockey, no doubt about it. But uh, so you're going to see his name, uh, and that's Locke's uh, trainer and combination jockey. Dornock is trained by Danny Gargan, maybe a little bit lesser known of a trainer, but. Uh, a, a phenomenal rider and Luis Saez on him. So those are the two that are going to meet up in Florida to see uh, uh, who's going to take on that fountain of youth. Yeah. Uh, big, big race this weekend. Um, hopefully the weather, weather holds off. Uh, it's been rainy uh, this week here. I mean, I just, I, I would like to see a dry race down there. Um, these are two, it's, this is a big race for two horses. So, We'll see what happens down there. Um, I know you're excited. I'm excited. Um, sure. I think it's something that that is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you pay attention to it and, and really learn something uh, when you watch. And Mike's going to give us those insights each week, uh, break it down for us so we can understand. Um, even as someone who's watched it a long time, there's a lot of information Mike has. So please pay attention. Take some notes if you want some tidbits and nuggets. He's got them. Yeah, appreciate that. So, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, the Gotham's going to be interesting to see. There's not, there's, it's tough to gauge. It's a mile race. Uh, Brad Cox and Todd Fletcher have a couple entries in there. So, watch out for the Gotham replay. Let's see who wins that. That one, I think, is wide open. That's way up in the air, in my opinion. So, uh, we're not going to break that one down too much. Um, and then you got in the Santa, uh, to Santa Anita, the San Felipe, which is the leading the Santa Anita Derby, which has produced quite a few Kentucky Derby winners. Bob Baffert has got a, a, you know, half the entries over there, just about. He's got a long stable out there. But again, he's suspended, so none of his horses can actually qualify. So we won't focus too much on Santa Anita or any of the West Coast tracks this time because Baffer really does have a stranglehold on West Coast racing, yet they aren't allowed to run the Kentucky Derby. So again, we're talking about Kentucky Derby prep. We're getting you ready for that first Saturday in May for your group chats. If you go to a Derby party, we want to make sure you're prepared. So we want to make sure we focus our time and efforts on that uh, and so again, uh, all your Kentucky Derby information we're going to have here. We're also going to sprinkle in a little bit of Oaks. Uh, just FYI is the name of a horse that is running uh, in the Phillies race. And so watch out for her because I think that is a superstar in the making in the Phillies race, uh, to run in the Kentucky Oaks, uh, trained by, uh, Brad Cox as well. He's got some, uh, some legends, uh, pretty sure it's Brad Cox. Um, he's got some absolute monsters, uh, coming out. Sorry, Bill Mott. 
chains. Just FYI, I apologize, not Brad Cox. Brad Cox had the Philly this past weekend in West Omaha. Just FYI, trained by Bill Mott, rode by Junior Alvarado, who has been a dynamic duo in racing the past couple of years. So, again, just FYI is that Kentucky Oaks runner. Uh, but, again, for all of your derby coverage, we're going to have you here at the end of our pods each week on the Up and Running pod. So, wherever you listen, wherever you're following us on Apple, Spotify, Twitter, uh, YouTube, whatever it may be, drop us a line, drop us a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you thought of the race is. And then all the content that we bring you each and every week. We're so thrilled to do this and we're happy you're with us. Uh, Justin, what else? What do you got for us to close us out? Well, it's a big weekend. You've got NASCAR. You've got Liv. You have horse racing, as you've just heard. Spring baseball is on every day. You've got a couple of games. College basketball still kicking in. Um, you know, you got the big rivalry week coming up next week for the major conferences. Hockey is, is uh, taking off a lot of, you know, 23 games left for most teams. So be looking at that. You know, it's, it's uh, February was kind of a slow month. Football ends, you, you move into, uh, you know, the NFL's got the combine, they've got the draft coming up, things like that, right. trade deadline, free agency, all that, or excuse me, free agency, not trade deadline. They have all that kind of stuff coming, coming up. Um, you know, it, it's uh, March makes the turn, baby. We're right in the spring. You're getting all your summer sports. Everything's coming in. Um, and for long, we'll be watching the Kentucky Derby here in another month or so. So, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff this weekend to get you started. And as, as Mike kept up on the horses, I'll work to keep you up on NASCAR. And we will have some exciting, exciting shows coming up dealing with uh, the Masters. You have March Madness. You've got the Kentucky Derby. Some extra shows during the week and then some extra shows with stats. And what would you do? GM, things like that. So. Big stuff this weekend, but keep looking forward to those exhilarating shows with guests and all the fun that we like to have here. Yeah, please tune, please, please tune in to us because we do have guests lined up. We do want to bring those aside. We tease it a little bit. And we also have the shorts Justin mentioned we're trying to bring to everyone as well. So let us know what you think of those shorts. Uh, we do have some some just wide-ranging topics that we're going to talk about that may not be sports-specific, right? We're going to get into those. So, again, we're teasing a couple of these things. We've got a lot planned for the spring, a lot of sports to talk about in the spring as Turkey mentioned. So uh, for Turkey, I'm Mike, as always. I'm saying be kind, be humble, and always be grateful. Justin, it's been a great show. At Bama Turk 46 on X, let me know. Holla at me. Have a good night.